This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, the world's economies are faltering, of course, and it is really, apart from the war in Ukraine, the biggest story. And yesterday, there was news that surprised many people. The U.S. Federal Reserve announced that it was raising the rate by three quarters of a point. Some people had thought maybe a quarter of a point, others a half, but a three quarter point rise by the chair of the Federal Reserve and his committee, Jay Powell is his name. He did describe inflation as transitory a few months ago, but it isn't transitory now. And we're joined from Washington by Niall Stanich, associate editor of The Hill newspaper, and that newspaper is White House correspondent, to discuss that rate rise and, of course, the hearings that are going on, orchestrated by the January the sixth committee. Niall, the rate rise was a bit sharper than many people expected. It was. Um, three quarters of a percentage point is the highest uh, rate rise in one go since 1994, uh, obviously a long yes. time ago, and typifying or, or, or really revealing the extent to which inflation is a major political problem here. The rise of such sharpness is obviously intended to try to get inflation under control, having let it run rampant. It hit uh, 8.6% for the month of May or for the year leading up to the month of May, which is uh, the highest since the early 1980s here. And of course, you know, inflation is ruinous in many different ways, not just politically for the party in power, yes. but to, to many people's personal finances. It is a very serious problem. And the prospect that Powell put forward was that this would not last and they would get inflation down around 3%. There's a lot hanging on this, isn't there, Niall? I mean, the midterm elections in November are probably gone as far as the Democrats, particularly the elections to the House of Representatives. But this is a huge issue that cuts right through to people. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it is cutting through, particularly in the areas of uh, what you would say called petrol prices and what we call gas prices here, yes. but but also in 
other basics, including food prices, which have gone up in a way that is noticeable to absolutely everybody. President Biden's poll ratings aren't great on any topic, really, but his handling of inflation is the worst of all. A lot of polls that show him, uh, his performance in that score being disapproved of by about two to one. Uh, we should also say, Eamon, that um, obviously what happens in the American economy has repercussions all through yes. the rest of the global economy. Right now, what Jay Powell and the rest of the Fed are trying to do is execute a so-called soft landing for the economy where you cool inflation without sending the U.S. economy and, by extension, other Western economies into recession. That is just an extraordinarily difficult thing to do. You have to somehow measure the right amount of interest rate rise to uh, take the heat out of the economy to quell inflation without sending the economy into reverse. And that's just an extremely difficult thing to do. Now, Joe Biden is under pressure on, on many fronts, the war in Ukraine, not the least of them. And yesterday he was able to pledge another $1 billion in weapons aid to Ukraine. That's the good news. The bad news is that he also issued a warning to American oil companies that he could and was minded to invoke emergency powers. He also, having been very dismissive of Saudi Arabia and particularly the Crown Prince who bears responsibility for the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, having been very scathing about MBS, he's going to Saudi Arabia now to really make a plea that they increase their oil production. That's right. He wants them to turn the taps on, and that seems to be trumping, pardon the expression, the human rights concerns that have long existed with Saudi Arabia, but certainly reached a, a, a crescendo after the murder of Jamal Khashoggi in extraordinarily brutal fashion. Yes. Uh, Mr. Khashoggi was a critic of the Saudi regime and a, a legal resident, though not a full citizen of the United and States. a Washington Post journalist but, and a mild critic, it has to be said. Yes, no, absolutely, absolutely. And so uh, all of that is naturally controversial, uh, given Biden's decision to go to Saudi Arabia next month, where it has been confirmed after some hesitancy by the White House that he will meet MBS. Uh, it seems pretty clear that oil is the bottom line here. Now, there are other issues that are relevant with Saudi Arabia. There is the terrible uh, war in Yemen. There's Saudi Arabia's traditional um, position or usefulness to the United States as a counterbalance to Iran and so on and so forth. Yes. But really, the point here is that uh, the price of oil has risen particularly sharply since Putin's invasion of Ukraine and, and since the various sanctions and embargoes were put on by the West in response. And it's pretty clear that Biden's hope is that the Saudis increase production, which they have already promised to do modestly over the summer. But uh, it, it would appear that Biden wants uh, more action and, and uh, action over the longer term in that respect. Now, his poll ratings have been pretty poor, haven't they, Niall mm -hmm. Biden? 
and that's kind of putting it mildly. Mm. When you bear in mind the midterm elections in November, and even if you took a longer time frame, he really is in a bad place in terms of the polls compared to any other president or most other presidents at this stage in his presidency. Yeah, he's definitely struggling uh, a lot. His average approval rating at the moment is approximately 40% with uh, approximate disapproval in the low 50s and the rest undecided. That gives you very little political muscle. Um, for slightly complicated reasons, the Democrats have a slightly better chance of retaining the Senate, even though it's a 50-50 split right now. But I think they're really facing very heavy losses in the House of Representatives, unless something shocking happens to change the political environment between now and November. Of course, if I'm proven right, and it's not, it's not that it's a unique prediction by me. I think most people expect the Democrats to lose the House at this stage. That will obviously render Biden even further weakened for the final two years of his first term. The Republicans, if they command the majority in the House, will let him do very little for a start, but uh, perhaps even more to the point, they are then sure to launch their own investigations, um, well-founded or otherwise, into various things that have occurred over the past two years. So the Republicans would really uh, have the capacity to politically tie Biden's hands in a very serious way with just uh, two years left then uh, before the 2024 presidential election. Yes, and when a president is what they call a lame duck, for two years, that would be where the Senate was gone and the House was gone. He has executive powers. How extensive are they and how limiting can they be? Their primary use is in foreign policy. Foreign policy the, yes. the, the president does have a fair amount of leeway there. In domestic policy, they are greatly limited, in large part because uh, to make a long story short, Congress holds the purse strings for domestic policy. So your capacity to enact uh, legislation is very, very limited without uh, congressional approval. There are some areas that you can act uh, to a degree immigration, for example. Yes. But the, the idea that was very prevalent, certainly in the first year of Biden's presidency, that he could enact uh, sort of sweeping social legislation that was going to strengthen the social safety net and rebalance the American economy and reduce things like income inequality, which have been uh, a problem here for decades now at this point. Th those will all be gone if uh, the Republicans win even the House alone, never mind the Senate in November. And I think it's extremely likely that the Republicans will do just that. And that will mean, or is likely to mean, or is it certain, that Kevin McCarthy, mm. our old friend, mm. Irish-American friend, I take it with mm. a name like that, who has not exactly covered himself in glory as a minority leader in the House, he will become Speaker of the House, a position that Nancy Pelosi now holds, but a very powerful position nonetheless. 
It's an extremely powerful position. And, you know, when you say he hasn't covered himself in glory, I take it that you're referring to his attempts to cozy up to the former president, which he has done. Having having lashed him three days previously. (laughs) Exactly. And then paying homage to him at Mar-a-Lago shortly afterwards Mm. and making nice with him. And him. That's him. That's our man. My Kevin, as Trump sometimes refers to him. In any event... (laughs) um, (laughs) In any event, um, to your point, one of the reasons McCarthy has done that cozying up has been that he sees what way the political wind has uh, is blowing in the Republican Party, which is still in a fairly pro-Trump direction. And if he is to become Speaker, he will obviously need the support of uh, the vast majority of his own members in the House. McCarthy's fear, I think, has been um, that he could be outflanked in the event of Republicans winning the House in November. He could be outflanked internally by a more pro-Trump person yes. who could stand for Speaker. Um, you're not auto- the, the person who leads the party yes, into the election is not necessarily the Speaker afterward. So McCarthy is really trying to shore up his support with those Trump uh, loyal, uh, Trump loyalist um, members of the House of Representatives on the Republican side. So more gobbling would be required. <laughs> and I'm not going to go there now, but I just want to project forward a little bit with Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House of Representatives and the Republicans controlling the Senate and the House and, in 2024, the return of President Donald Trump. (laughs) Uh, We're not... We're we're looking at what, as wimpy liberals, we would regard, well, I would regard, as a horror story and a a horror scenario. Mm. But it's by no means... A long shot, is it? No, it's not. I mean, certainly I think the first part of that, the Republican takeover of the House, is a a racing certainty at this point. As far as Mr. Trump is concerned, I just had cause to look up some Republican uh, internal opinion polls or Republican Party opinion polls earlier this week, and one of them was asking about choices as the 2024 nominee among various people. And uh, Trump took in the poll I was looking at 51% support. And the next, the second placed person was Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who was under 20%. Now, that could, of course, change. Um, There are all sorts of unexpected things that can happen in politics. But I cite that poll just as reference of how clear a favorite Trump would be to win the Republican nomination. Whoever becomes the Republican nominee would right now appear to be the favorite to win the 2024 presidential election. I say that knowing full well that predicting presidential elections, uh, I'm just calculating here, 29 months away from when they uh, take yes, place of course. is a bit of a fool's errand. But, but right now, that's how it looks. Yeah, this fellow DeSantis, the governor of Florida, mm. he sort of seems from the distance I'm looking to be as bad as Trump in terms of policy or mm. as radical, but not as mad and, you know, as wired as mm. Trump is to some planet we haven't yet discovered. This guy could be a serious right winger, in other words, with serious right wing policies, discipline, and mm-hmm. ideas. 
He, he, he could be, certainly. And, you know, you use the word discipline, which I think is, is yes. right and is a big part of DeSantis's appeal. Uh, in summary, I think one of the things that has frustrated even uh, Republicans or conservatives who agree with Trump is his capacity to just mess things up for himself by his lack of discipline, his failure to really understand how to execute or to utilize the levers of power in a particularly yes. effective way and to get himself into all sorts of self-defeating controversies. DeSantis isn't like that. DeSantis is, I would say, just as right-wing a figure, certainly much more steeped in orthodox conservative uh, doctrine than, than Trump is. I mean, Trump has all sorts of peculiarities in his political history where in the distant past he supported some democratic policies. That's not the case with DeSantis, who's extremely socially conservative, has been extremely to the fore in batting back things like mandates pertaining to COVID, and has a whole range of very conservative positions, and is perceived to be uh, focused in getting those things accomplished. And of course, for liberals, this has always been the fear, the fear that was raised by Trump, which is what if you have yes. a Trumpian kind of character who's better at getting stuff done? Uh, that, you know, from, from the perspective of liberals, is a very dangerous uh, scenario. And that's, I think, the danger that DeSantis in particular is seen to represent. Yes, and it, it's very interesting, and doubtless we will watch it as it develops, Niall. Now, the January the 6th panel uh, committee, we spoke about it last week. They have been holding hearings for a year or so. They have interviewed all kinds of people, and they are now, from last week, producing a, well, documentary, you could call it almost, but it's it, shows on television in prime time people giving their testimony to the committee being questioned and so on and so forth. Donald Trump's daughter Ivanka, Jared Kushner, people like that. Also Bill Barr who was Donald Trump's attorney general and on Monday night they're televising this. Mm -hmm. There was a, one on Monday night, there's one later tonight, Thursday and there was one last week which we talked about just let me ask you about the idea behind this. It's produced and presented almost as a documentary. Is that right? Um, broadly, there are certainly instances that are like that. It's a weird hybrid because there are video packages and there are clips of video testimony, but there are also uh, witnesses brought before the committee in the standard fashion when it appears live. Right. So it's a combination of both. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot of the channels in America, television channels, have cleared airspace and are showing these hearings Live is that correct? That that is correct. Now they depend. They differ in terms of times of day. The one last week was in prime time U.S. time. The right. ones this week are during the day U.S. time. But they, there is a lot of broadcast and cable news coverage of them for sure. Yes, Fox News isn't showing them. That certainly didn't show the first one. It relegated the first one to a, a much lesser watched business channel that Fox owns, and it was the only significant network to make that choice. Now, you can get the transcripts, and I got the transcripts of the Monday night show or the Monday show. You can get them from NPR, which is public radio in the United States, if any of our listeners want to get them. They are fascinating, Mm -hmm. Niall, and one in particular caught my eye from Monday. This is how Trump allegedly, you know, stole money. Mm. He set up a committee to make America great again, the MAGA committee. They raised $250 million and quite a lot of it is not accounted for. Mm. This was in the period between losing the election and the Biden administration, mm. you know, kicking in on January 6th. Yeah, a lot of controversy surrounds exactly what was done in terms of this fundraising and the kinds of appeals that were made by Trump and Trump's committee and his allies in those periods. The committee hearing on Monday, as you know, having read that testimony, um, stressed quite a lot a number of fundraising emails that were sent out uh, soliciting donations for what was called the Official Election Defense Fund, um, a, a name that purported to suggest that money was going to be raised from Trump supporters to assist legal challenges that would have overturned the election result or or thwarted President Biden's legitimate um, victory. The problem is that the official election defense fund did not actually exist. There was no uh, fund that was specifically for making these legal cases. Instead, that money went into the various Trump and Trump-related committees and fundraising apparatuses that you have been referring to. Now, the committee has then in turn alleged that much of that money was spent 
in ways that benefited either Trump or the Trump family or Trump aides, uh, for example. They say that about $200,000 was spent in Trump hotels. There were donations of a million dollars each to uh, purportedly non-profit organizations in which former members of the administration um, had a prominent role. And perhaps most strikingly, um, there was $60,000 that was paid to Kimberly Guilfoyle, the girlfriend of Donald Trump Jr., um, for delivering a three-minute speech at the Ellipse in the rally that preceded the uh, the insurrection. So uh, 60 grand for three minutes is, uh, I suppose you could say, nice work if you could get it. It's pretty it good. Kim, Kimberly, I sh- we should say, is or was former Fox News on-screen journalist. Yes, yes, she was uh, affiliated with with Fox News, that's right. The invoice for this speech apparently includes both her and Donald Trump Jr. as receiving this 60 grand, but according to the committee, um, Donald Jr. has testified that he didn't uh, receive any of the money. So that uh, payment does seem to have caused a bit of a stir, even among some in Trump's circle, because obviously it doesn't look... uh, doesn't look great to have the president's son's girlfriend getting 60 grand for speaking for three minutes. No. Also, in Monday's hearings, Bill Barr, William Barr, that is, former mm. Attorney General, talked about Trump being detached from reality, and that's a direct quote. Mm. Now, he was somebody, Barr, who really obliged Trump and tolerated him for a long time and in many instances involving cases that were before the courts, Trump's associates and so on. But even he had a line, Mm. and he drew that line rather late in the day, but he has given testimony that is pretty damning, hasn't he? Absolutely. I mean, he has been absolutely scathing of these claims of election fraud, and to be fair to Barr, was scathing of them at the time which, of course, in characteristic Trumpian fashion, led to his departure as Attorney General in the period between the election and the insurrection. I think you raise an important point when you mentioned that Bill Barr, for a long time, was a sort of hate figure to liberals, really, in part because when the Mueller report came out, Barr rushed out a kind of summary of that that was very... uh, favorable or sympathetic to Trump's position, and in doing so, uh, neutralized some of the impact of the Mueller report. There were other instances, as you alluded to, where he also uh, adopted very conservative positions. But when it came to his testimony uh, regarding January the 6th, he has testified that these claims of election fraud were nonsense, were bullshit, to use his term, and just has been... uh, Overall, I would say, quite appropriately scathing of unfounded allegations that were uh, used to uh, to raise money and to and to incite uh, the kind of um, mobs that we saw on January the sixth. Yes. Now, Liz Cheney, the daughter of Dick Cheney, a conservative Republican, but somebody who has displayed courage and and principle throughout these investigations into the insurrection on January the 6th, she spoke on Monday night about the people at the top of this conspiracy, this attempted coup, whatever you want to call it, 
She said hundreds of our countrymen have faced criminal charges. Many are serving criminal sentences because they believed what Donald Trump said about the election and they acted on it. They came to Washington, D.C. at his request. They marched on the Capitol at his request and hundreds of them besieged and invaded the building at the heart of our constitutional republic. More than 840 people have been charged from the incidents around the January the 6th, the riot, the insurrection, and many of them have gone to prison. She was talking here about the really big players in this conspiracy, alleged conspiracy, not paying much of a price, if any, at all. I wonder, despite everything, Niall, is this getting traction with the American public or are minds made up? I think I asked you a similar question last week. Mm. But you have a scenario here where, I mean, Steve Bannon, for example, was, um, I think, pardoned in the very last days of Trump in the White House. I think you told us last week. Mm. He was pardoned for stealing money from a fund he set up to build the wall. Mm. This sort of story is, you know, in the most powerful Western democracy, at the heart of it, this stuff going on, and the possibility that people have already factored it in and don't really, either don't care or feel they can do nothing. Mm. Yeah. There is it cutting through is an interesting question. The first hearing that you mentioned, the primetime one, drew a total TV audience of uh, around 19 or 20 million people. So that obviously is a very significant number yes. of people. Um, it's a very big television audience. Now, then there's the question of does it change any minds, which is a complicated question, and the answer may turn out to be no, because for a start, you have, for example, Fox News not showing that first hearing live. So there's a significant number of people who just don't don't see it if they're big Fox News viewers or, or yep. find that it's played down. The other question is when you look at opinion polls, there is a roughly even split between the number of people who say that it is right and appropriate that the committee should do this job because of the gravity of the events we have been discussing, and another half of the population that feels that it is too much of an emphasis on the past and that it is too partisan. And one of the problems I think that Democrats face is that that second argument, rightly or wrongly, is strengthened when the country is facing other yes. immediate and pressing problems like yes. inflation. And so that is, I think, what leaves a lot of people feeling that the political or electoral impacts of these hearings is likely to be muted um, and not yes. have all that big an impact. There's also simply the fact, <clears throat> as you mentioned, that you know a lot of people have their minds made up. It, it is difficult just on a common sense level to imagine that if you were not persuaded at this point or before these public yes. hearings began that Donald Trump had incited the insurrection, that you are now going to be persuaded because 
believing up to now that he wasn't responsible requires you, it seems to me, to blind yourself to an enormous amount of information. And so why is new information going to change that? Yeah, and the same argument is being made in Britain about Boris Johnson and his, shall we say, weaknesses. Mm. That there's a war in Ukraine, the Russians are doing terrible things, why are we talking about this nonsense? Mm. It's It happened yesterday, so mm. forget about it. Anyway, now we're very grateful to you, as always, for joining us. That's Niall Stanage, Associate Editor of The Hill, a very good Washington newspaper, for not being unduly partisan. And we're grateful to Niall, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.